minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the negro streets at dawn looking for an angry fix, angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo and the machinery of the night, who poverty and tatters and hollowed-eyed and high up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats floating across the tops of cities contemplating jazz who bared their brains to heaven under the L, and saw Mohammedan angels staggering on tenement roofs illuminated, who passed through universities with radiant cool eyes, hallucinating Arkansas and Blake Light tragedy among the scholars of war, who were, and I'm going to stop reading now, that was 40-something seconds of Howl by Mr. Allen Ginsberg. I read that tonight for this reason. Yeah, I don't have a reason. I just, I saw the book on my shelf, and I was trying to think of something to open the show with, so I went with that. I hope you liked it. Let's face it, no one liked it. Maybe I should just give up now. Who knows? So, since last we spoke, well, since last I talked and you listened, these are the things that have happened. Um... Uh... Okay, so we're all caught up. Some people died, I'm sure. There's a thing. Uh, other stuff happened. And William Carlos Williams is likely still dead. That was completely stupid. Sorry. Okay, let's actually start the show here. I asked for things for you to um, ask me questions. I asked you for things for you to ask me questions. This is, I'd go so far as to say, I'm having a stroke right now, because that sentence was fucking terrible. Let's just get this going. I have a couple of things written down to talk about. I have one singular, one phone call, message, voicemail, which you can leave if you want to, uh, 503-468-6959. You can leave in upwards of three minutes, and I'll play it on the show, likely, and, um, uh, then I'll respond to it, likely. Now, if you want to leave six minutes, well, you're just going to have to call twice. If you want to leave nine minutes, you're going to have to call three times. If you want to leave 12 minutes, I mean, get your own fucking show. Christ, greedy bastard. So, we'll have that to play later, if I remember. I'm sure, given the history of the show, I will. Because I always remember this kind of stuff. And everybody knows how sarcastic I'm being if you've listened to the show. Because most of the time, when I introduce a topic, I never get around to talking about aforementioned topic. Of the things I've written down, I have television shows I have recently watched because I tried to catch up on television shows. I also wrote down the phrase comic books, which I don't know why I wrote that. Why the fuck would I write comic book? Oh, I do know what that is. Maybe I'll get around to it. Fuck, I'll get around to it now. Our friend and yours, 
guest on the show, Mr. Brett, altered underscore one on Twitter, asked me a question. He asked, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not going to try to find it while we're live on the show. He asked me uh, if I would ever consider uh, continuing the story of Periphery, uh, specifically in comic book form. I would. In fact, I have considered this many, many times. Not necessarily Periphery. Well, I have considered Periphery in that form. I have an idea. I have two ideas for other periphery material. Three ideas for other periphery material. One, I think, is the least likely, uh, which this was an idea that I had while I was writing periphery, kind of using the first um, title of it. It used to be called Dispatches from the Periphery. Uh, it was a slightly different book at that point. But I wanted to write the compendium called Dispatches from the Periphery, which was kind of all the written material that was referenced in the book. The uh, letters from Hephaestus, um, some of the books that were in the library scenes. And this would be done in the context of uh, people writing to one another in the first iteration of the Periphery, uh, the John the Elder people. I don't think I'll ever do that. It may have worked if I put it out at the same time. But anyway, so I thought about that. I thought about writing the story of the first iteration of the periphery, and I thought about writing a bit of a sequel. The sequel, I'm a little hesitant of because, you know, for those who've read the book, and for those who've heard me talk about it, um, the concept of it is that there's no real right answer to it, that there's multiple interpretations, and it's meant to be that way. Writing the sequel, I feel like, would cement um, what I meant in quotes, because I meant it to be read a bunch of different ways. Depending on my mood, I actually think about the real, in, in heavy quotations, meaning of the story. And I'm, at this point, not sure. I mean, I know what I meant when I wrote it, but as I move farther away from it, further away from it? As I move away from it more, I find myself questioning what I think the real story is, which I actually think is perfect. So anyway, Brett was asking about comic books, and I thought a really interesting way to approach a sequel or another kind of variant of it, I'm not really sure, I sort of have like a vague plot, would be to do it as a comic book, because I think visually we could represent the two kind of aspects operating really well. The the periphery side of things, the kind of weird, strange, uh, you know, trees that eat meat, which is a scene. Um, I say that's a scene because if you haven't read the book, that's something that happens. And there, I think it could be really interesting. And I thought that it could be done in almost like a history of kind of sense. So we could show the ancient world that gets referenced uh, in the book. There's this kind of there's scenes where there's uh, kind of ancient ruins uh, ruins laid around. And I thought that'd be really cool to look at. So have almost like a training course comic book, you know, like this, like, like oh, here's here's your comic book. Welcome to uh, H.F.S.S. James Bonobus Corporation. Here's the comic book, which will teach you about the periphery. I thought that would be fun. Uh, and yeah, so anyway, I have thought about that. I've actually written uh, a, a small little in the amount of information or uh, words on that, but I don't have an artist to uh, work with. So that's your answer. 
But the reason I answer this again on the show is because I would like an artist, not necessarily for the periphery job, which would be fun if, if there's somebody that's good at comic book style art, not even comic book, there's some good artist out there is interested in working with me. Uh, if you're like, it's periphery or nothing, I'd be, I'd do that. But I also have an idea for a comic book that I wrote the, uh, kind of character synopses and the first three, uh, issues. Now I haven't written the issues. Like I wrote down ish what happens, but I, I don't, I, how does one describe this? I'm not trying to go artist, draw exactly this. I'm looking for an artist to work with, like to, it would be our creation together. Uh, specifically it's someone that's good at art, but isn't the strongest at words, you know, not, you know, I'm not saying some, you know, functional literate. I mean that, uh, you know, maybe they're not confident enough in their storytelling, uh, but they're confident enough in their visual storytelling. Uh, you know, just there, there's some way that there would be a, a symbiotic relationship. So I do have a fully fleshed out idea for a comic in need of a, in need of an artist. So if ever, you know, if anybody out there is a good artist is interested in working with me, get in touch. Uh, you can email me alexcast at gmail.com or at the alexcast on Twitter, all that sort of stuff. So that explains why I wrote down the word comic book on my sheet of paper. Because, um, well, that. I was also, uh, looking, uh, at, at my text messages. <laughs> Stalk, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm sorry. I haven't done that in a while. I haven't done that, uh, in, in quite a bit. But I was in the middle of talking to someone, uh, via text while I started the show. And I just stupidly thought I could do two things at once because I haven't tried in a while. And we shall be reminded. We shall be reminded that I cannot do this. So there's your answer. I get distracted by text messages, thus I will flip my phone over, and I need an artist. So, anybody out there, please get in touch. Comic book. I am going to take a pen right now and cross out comic books on this piece of paper. If you're wondering, the paper is salmon-colored, because that's the color at work that doesn't sell ever, so I thought I would take one of them, because it would, you know, no one's going to miss it. It's not like you're going to miss a bit of white paper anyway, but my thinking was that. Interesting, right? You're right, it wasn't. Let's play this uh, message from Justin, who is the only person who ever calls, except for I get random calls from people that don't leave messages, so I'm assuming that's some kind of uh, spam caller. But Justin is the only one that ever talks. Uh, it calls on purpose. So let's play this and we can listen to it because he's at least upbeat and energetic and maybe that'll kick me into gear. Yo, I got a serious question for your shitty ass fucking internet radio show, you piece of shit. Fucking New Jersey East Coast fucking Greek diner eating ass motherfucker. What's the best fucking breakdancing movie? Hi, asshole. Huh? What's the best breakdancing movie? Is it, is it Crush Groove? Is it Beat Streets? Is it Breaking? Are you one of those Breaking to Electric Boogaloo asshole fucking liking motherfuckers? Huh? Huh? I'd like that, you know, you know, killed in your next episode. Which sucks, bitch! Well, thank you very much for the call, Justin. Uh, again, your gentle voice and, and southern uh, politeness rings through, and I thank you for it. When I say southern politeness, does, uh, does St. Louis count as the south? I know it's 
South. But when I think of the, the South, I, obviously people that are uh, confused right now, you're pretty dumb because you probably should have picked up on that. But Justin's from St. Louis. That's why I said that. I didn't just randomly start talking about St. Louis. I shouldn't have said you're dumb because considering this is my show, it's actually likely I could have just randomly started talking about St. Louis. So I take it back. I'm the dumb one. Um, I don't know if it counts as the South. So get back to me. Because in my head, the South is like where there's like really thick accents and, you know, kind of Georgia-y. Like South Carolina to the to the top of Florida, and then over to like Louisiana, and well, like the yeah, I don't even where the fuck is St. Louis? Let's look at a map together, guys. All right, for all the other idiots at home that doesn't know what the United States look like, and I say American idiots because you people in Europe, uh, you shouldn't know where St. Louis is. I mean, and if you do, you're even smarter than me. St. Louis map. I'll just put St. Louis. Because if I do a map of St. Louis, that wouldn't help me at all. Alright. Bring it up a map. Hold on, guys. I know you're riveted. Alright, well, there's uh, Lambert St. Louis International Airport. I wonder if it's Lambert. Or, and I also wonder if it should be St. Louis. Right, let's back out. Where is St. Louis? Okay. Oh, yeah, no, that's... Huh. That's, like, right in the fucking middle. Yeah, that can't, that doesn't count as the South. The problem is, like, it's near places, I think, of the South, and that's why I associate it, because, like, Kentucky's there, and its southern border is Arkansas. Yeah, so it's Midwest, I guess, or just... Whatever, I'm going to shut up now. So, Justin has a number of problems with this with his phone call and I'm going to go through step by step and by rate him for it. You said that this episode sucks. That is incorrect. When you called, this episode was going to suck because it hadn't sucked yet. It is sucking now and you happen to have been correct, but I don't think you should get any points for it because it hadn't sucked yet. So, Put that in your pipe and smoke it, son. And I am no longer a New Jersey East Coast fucking Greek diner eating ass motherfucker. I am now a West Coast. Uh, I don't really eat a lot of Greek food. There's not diners here. And I've rarely, rarely have had intercourse with my mother. So that's incorrect. The best breakdancing movie. You're thinking that it's between Crush Groove or Breakin'. Hmm. I, I'm, uh, man, I, I'm going to go with Crush Groove. It's a, I, the reason I'm going to go with Crush Groove is this. I've never seen Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. I only know the, the title as being an amusing title. So, and the original Breakin', the original Breakin's pretty good. When I say pretty good, let's keep this in context. It's amusing for uh, an artifact of 1980s cinema. So, I'm going to go with Crush Groove. Yeah. Also, I can spin my head in upwards of sick times. Sick times. Six times. God damn it! Justin cursed me. Because now I suck at speaking. <laughs> I always suck at speaking. I'm sorry, guys. This episode blows. Everything sucks. Um, 
yeah, so the answer to your question is Crush Groove. God, I need a guest. Uh, there, there is going to be a guest um, very soon. Actually, Tuesday I have a guest planned, and then Friday and Saturday I have two different guests. One of which, uh, let's briefly touch on this, because we're going to talk about uh, all of it in detail with the director, but I just watched uh, the Montauk Chronicles. It's a documentary about the um, weirdness in Montauk, Long Island. Really, uh, really interesting watch. So if you want to get, if you want to watch it before, uh, you, uh, listen to the show where I talk with the director. Um, it's mtkchronicles.com or just look up the Montauk Chronicles. I dug it. So, uh, just to give you a heads up on that. So just in case you were like, I want to show prep for this show that a random stammering ass of a man <laughs> says stuff into microphones about how he needs artists and doesn't finish any sentence with any kind of proper speaking or pronunciation. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so MTK Chronicles, check it out. I'm going to have him on uh, soon. I think next week we've got it booked. And it should be fun. Or not. I mean, I could completely blow it. Who knows? But the point is, I'm getting guests for you. Except for this week. Because I had people cancel, and then I just didn't want to book other people. So, I didn't. There we are. I guess we'll move on to my TV segment. Wait, hold on a second. Oh man, you know, I'm looking at my computer screen at this MTK Chronicles website and I streamed it to my TV. Oh, that's weird. TV. I've been watching a lot of that recently. Segway. One of the guys at work, who I shall leave nameless, is called Will. And Will was on me about watching Rick and Morty. I thought to myself, hey, this is something other people have told me to watch. And if you're a long-time listener to the show, or one of the people unfortunate enough to be my friends in real life, you'll know that when you tell me to watch something, I will say that sounds like a great idea, I would love to watch it, I will put it on my queue, and then I never watch it, because I am crippled uh, by the idea of doing something and following through with things. But this one, because the nameless person at work, Will, kept reminding me, I finally got around to watching it. And let me tell you guys out there, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Rick and Morty is a fucking funny show. It is very amusing. It is on some channel. I'm going to guess Cartoon Network, if, if that's still the name of a channel. I don't know. I steal everything from the internet. And if you're the NSA listening, I buy everything legally through the internet. Or in person. I buy it in person. That's why you don't see any records of it on the internet. But, uh, so Rick and Morty is a cartoon show. It's the basic premise is, uh, uh, the, there's a grandfather figure who's a genius mad scientist and he goes on adventures with his grandson. And, um, well, it's quite funny, but the, the good thing about it, or one of the things that I want to bring up about it, that I think my audience would like is it's super subversive with TV tropes. And I really like it for that. So, Let's say on a, on a traditional show, there's the setup of, oh, there's a tension between grandpa and grandson. And then, you know, grandson is like, well, grandpa, you know, I don't think you respect me. And then through the course of the show, you would learn that grandpa actually does respect him in a, an emotional moment with some swelling background music. 
Rick and Morty's solution to this was he, they set up this thing where, like, you normally would chunk in the traditional storytelling unit of, well, a lesson is learned. And then uh, uh, Rick, the grandfather, will sit Morty down and describe how he actually is useless and purposeless and a piece of shit. And he should be thankful that he's even allowed in his life, which is really funny. The 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 whole complete... Turning on its head of TV tropes is very amusing to me. And I think, you know, if I go on a little limb here, you guys might like it. Also, you never talk to me anyway, so it's not like you're going to fucking report back if you don't like it. I dare you. I dare you to report back. I double-dog dare you. Are you? Yeah, you're not going to. Because you, and I mean you, don't talk to me very often anymore. And frankly, I miss you. And I'm sorry that I lashed out, but... You know, this is what we went to counseling for, and uh, one of us did actually change. One of us did what Ben told us to, all right? You know, I, I got dragged there by you week after fucking week, and I listened to him, and I listened to him. I was like, Ben, you know what? I hear you. I will open up my heart. I will. I will let her back in. And then what do you do? You don't even follow. You don't. You don't even try to talk to me after you dragged me there. So you forced me to go through painful changes and really confront the the horrors of my past. And you won't even talk to me about a cartoon show. For shame, invented partner that I went to therapy with. For shame. I'm disgusted. The next show on my list <laughs> is Mr. Robot. I watched Mr. Robot because I was hoping it would be an intellectual sequel to Small Wonder, where and sentient robot of a little girl came to life, and I don't really remember the rest of the show. It was just super creepy. It is unfortunately not that. It is a show about computer hacking. If you're unfamiliar with the term hacking, it is when a computer hacks another computer, thus hacking. Just let that sit there for a second. You understand now? Good. Uh, the lead in it, I don't know his name, I think it's Malik something, is really good. He's, the character has both like really subtle and really over the top moments, which, god, that, that added nothing. That was such a useless statement. But, uh, he handles both pretty well. The over the top stuff is, is believable. It doesn't get into that like, uh, Shatnerian level. And the subtle stuff is really beautifully played. So, well done. Sumptuous show. Looks really nice. Uh, Christian Slater's in it, uh, and he's actually amusing. Uh, he's fun to watch, which is not something I thought I'd say about Christian Slater in the year 2015. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's little preachy at times. The, the kind of message of it is they're playing off of the anonymous movement. Their version of anonymous is F Society, and they wear these, um, masks, uh, a lot of the, um, Guy Fox masks that the anonymous people wear. But the um, F Society wears like a, I don't even know what the mask would be. It's just like chubby face man with a mustache. If that's a reference to something, I apologize. I don't know the reference. I don't know everything, guys. I don't know everything. In fact, I didn't even know who Guy Fawkes was until I read V's for Vendetta. And um, I was trying to figure that out. And I was like, oh, that thing. Because I don't know fuck all about European history. I don't know anything about American history. Fuck, I didn't even know where St. Louis was about 15 minutes ago. So, Mr. Robot, I give my thumbs up to. One more. And I'll move from my TV segment. You like this? I've got everything broken down to the segments. 
not really. I just got this part. That's a segment. I watched Killjoys, and that's on the Sci-Fi channel, which Sci-Fi is spelled exactly wrong. It is a very fun show if you're looking for turn your brain off television, which is exactly what I was looking for because I'm alone a lot. I'm like, oh, I just want like to pretend there's people here, and I'll just leave this on in the background to kind of dumb down the 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 constant anxiety and depression. Like, oh, my space friends are in the room with me. But uh, it's a really fun show. It's Killjoys are um, they're basically uh, bounty hunters. I don't know why they're called Killjoys, but they're bounty hunters. And the lead lady is like this badass fighter lady. And she's got a computer hackery friend and uh, he's on the ship with her. And then there's uh, the like kind of his brother who's like a badass military dude. And uh, they've got one of the things that I love very much and don't get used nearly enough is sexy priests. I know that sounds weird. It probably doesn't, but... Uh, they've got a, a troop of priests on the planet that I don't remember what they're called, but like their thing is uh, they're like self-mutilators, and that's how they bless people. So they'll like cut themselves open and then like bless people with their blood, which one, cool, you know, makes sense, uh, evokes certain you know Catholic practices and you know other things. And uh, the guy that plays it, super sexy. So it's like, oh, this is fun. I've always been a fan of that. I don't know why. I think it's because I was raised Catholic, and I secretly think I was fiddled with. But I don't remember. In fact, I don't remember much of my childhood after the unpleasantness. But Killjoys, where I didn't really think that's where that sentence was going to end, uh, was is a good show. So uh, watch it. And let me, I'm going to take a step back. Killjoys is a good show, again, for turn your brain off, fun, uh, space bounty hunter show it is not like oh i have very little time on my hands and i want to watch a really quality example of the height of what television can do in the 21st century yeah you totally don't want to watch killjoys in the slightest like in fact that should be really really at the bottom of your list um as well as rick and morty in fact mr robot doesn't even make it there mr robot's just a, a good it's a good show and it's interesting but if you're like oh man i only have like an hour every now and again free to watch some tv uh, yeah, everything I just said ignored completely because no, this is what I'm talking about. The TV I'm talking about is the TV for people like me that got uh, time to burn. Not just really time to burn. I'm usually doing other stuff, but uh, there's no reason to finish that statement, so I won't. Subversive, F society, boom, all up in you. I don't, I don't know what that meant. I'm going to take a sip of water, if you'll excuse me for a moment. That was some good water. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. Indeed. So, let's tell you about something. And then I actually have one thing I wanted to talk about, which I hope I haven't talked about before, because I've had it in my head for a while. But if I have, I'm going to say it again, and then you can bow at my feet and go, wow, Alex, what a wonderful concept that you came up with. Let us praise you like we should. But first, I wanted to tell you about Facebook.com slash the standard PDX. That is the Facebook account of the bar that I like to go to. And that bar is a good one. Not just because I go there. In fact, probably, you know, against all odds, even though I go there, still a good bar. It sells drinks and food. 
That's pinball machines, pool table, shuffleboard, good friends. And it's a place to laugh, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, the standard is good. It's 14 Northeast 22nd in uh, Portland, Oregon, where I live. And you should go and hang out and give them loads of money. But the thing is, for those loads of money, you're going to get loads of drinks. You're going to get loaded. Fucked up. And just behave yourself, because, you know, I sent you there. And I would prefer that you, you know, don't fuck the place up for me. Because, you know, frankly, uh, I like the place. And that's why I talk about it so often. That and the fact that they pay me to. But even if they didn't pay me, I would talk about it. Just not in such a standard way. Double meaning. And I normally wouldn't, you know, do the whole facebook.com slash the standard PDX located in real life at 14 Northeast 22nd. That part I probably wouldn't say if I was talking about it in a non-advertisement way. But since I am, eh, that's what I... Whew. The standard. Alex, running out of steam since 2000 and something. 2011, I think. Wait, what the hell? No, 2010, I guess I started the show. Yeah, I think we're coming up on, uh, I think like no October, November, I think is five years of this show. So, there's something. There's something indeed. Maybe we can have a party. We're not going to have a party. I've had one meetup on the show uh, for listeners, or at least I tried to, and I talked about it a lot, and I had, uh, I think, two people show up. So I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not going to do that again anytime soon, because that was, that was pretty embarrassing for everybody involved. Well, not everybody involved, just me. Just me. So here's the thing I've been talking, I've been thinking about for a bit, and I'm sorry if I've talked about this on the show or on some other show. Or just to myself while walking around, because I often practice conversations, just in case I happen to run into a human being willing to talk to me. So, there is a phrase in the English language. It's called crossing the Rubicon. I am sure that you are familiar with this. Um, if you're not, I shall explain. Crossing the Rubicon is a... Um, when you make a decision uh, with which there's no turning back from, you cannot uh, uncross it. It's like uh, burning a bridge. And that's not really like burning a bridge, but you get the idea. So, Crossing the Rubicon comes from a very famous man, uh, Mr. Julius Caesar, or as we would pronounce it now, Julius Caesar. He was leading his troops, and um, there is this standing order that you cannot enter Rome with your troops. They must be disbanded or left outside. The official border where this happens is the Rubicon River. Caesar needed to go into Rome. I don't remember the specifics of it. Sorry about that. But the point is, at one point, he had to go into Rome, so he did. He was fighting with um, one of his other proconsuls at the time, who was called... Oh, he's the one that the Egyptians chopped his head off later. Oh, I can't think of who it is. Well, anyway, uh, so yeah, he goes into Rome with his legions and uh, with his legion, and uh, crosses the Rubicon, which is basically you know declaring war on Rome. He's become this makes him illegal number one. He's fucked if he you know this is there's no turning back. So, the modern phrase is crossing the Rubicon as uh, a reference to. Uh, something you can't come back from. Now that we have that understood, 
And I hope you do understand that, because um, if you don't, well, quite frankly, the rest of this analogy is gonna suck. But, basically that just says that he's, you know, almost declaring war on Rome. He's, you know, he's no longer just going to be, he's no longer kind of using the rules that were previously set out uh, to his own advantage. Now he's just making up shit, like he's taking over, essentially. So, this, what I'm setting this up for is conspiracy theory. There's this thing with conspiracy theorists and people that don't trust the government or anything uh, at all. And don't get me wrong, you shouldn't trust the government because they're untrustable fuckwads. And a lot of conspiracy theory is true. So I'm not saying that, uh, that uh, I'm not shitting on both of them or either one. I'm just, um, oftentimes there's some logical inconsistencies with conspiracy theories. Let's go this one. We don't know how the pyramids were built. Or, we don't know where somebody was buried. Or, we don't know what happened to the Holy Grail, or the Ark of the Covenant, or the etc, etc, etc. The idea is that people posit that when things are lost from history, that they were scrubbed, they were purposefully lost because the higher hand at work didn't want them known anymore. So the higher hand reached in and, and twisted the, 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 the strings of history and, and managed to, to, uh, to wipe this out because they need us stupid and sheep-like. So... We don't know where all those things are, the Ark of the Covenant, etc. The reason I bring up the Rubicon is because up until really recently, like the 1990s, 1900 years later, no one knew where the Rubicon River was. It had been lost. It was one of the single most important things in Western history. This is what starts Imperial Rome. The Empire, the Roman Empire, starts with his crossing of the Rubicon. And, and this is not me being hyperbolic. This is, historians agree, this is an incredibly significant moment in world history. And within, you know, a short time after Caesar, I don't know exactly, I mean, there's no way to say when something was lost when it comes to this, because it's not like they wrote down, oh yeah, by the way, but they lost the Rubicon. There was a floodplain there, river shift over time, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually, you know, as I said, in the 1990s, they kind of refound it through scholarship. But there was hundreds of years, a thousand years, whatever, that, that there was three different candidates, maybe even four candidates of which river was and where the location of the Rubicon. They lost it, this singular thing. So I equate that to the kind of natural progression of human knowledge and natural uh, natural kind of erosion of knowledge at times. There's this thought process that happens that people think that if something gets lost, it means, you know, when it comes to something important, that it was uh, purposefully lost, that it was, that it was hidden. Because people are used to, in the generations that we live now, a smooth acceleration of things. I'm 34 years old. Uh, let me, I guess, probably from my great-great-grandfather to now, 
it has been essentially in the West, the United States, it has been a smooth progression from, you know, agrarian, really low technology, and it kept moving forward and forward. We knew more and more things kept going in a forward direction. So the thought process is, well, if something got lost, that means that it must have been lost on purpose because, well, things just always move forward because that's the way that we're trained. That's the way that our brain works. But if you think about when Rome fell, we lost so much. You know, when the Dark Ages happened, we lost a shitload of stuff, and it can be lost. Not that the Rubicon got lost during that time, but the idea that knowledge that used to be, that is no longer is like this, the hidden hand is just a misunderstanding of how knowledge works. Previous to the printing press, the Gutenberg press, which was, what, 15-something? Let's just say 15-something. Maybe even 14-something. I don't care. The point is, previous to that, books had to be handwritten out. to be copied. So there's very few copies of any given book. Like, any book there's very few copies of. I mean, in comparison to post-printing press time. So... If there's a book that had a small run that's got some knowledge in it, you know, there's a lot of wars that were happening. There was a lot of cities that got sacked and burned, and books were purposefully thrown into rivers and burned and destroyed and written over. Knowledge can be lost easily without any kind of hidden hand, without the Vatican, without the Illuminati, without the whoever trying to hide it. So, because we don't know something about the past doesn't mean that it was hidden from us. doesn't mean that the anti-gravity technology of the pyramids was hidden. It just means that civilizations rise and fall and things can be forgotten. Like the location of the single most important river crossing in the history of fucking ever. It's the goddamn Rubicon. I mean, this is, this is a phrase that, that, that we use today, or at least nerds like me would use today. I probably wouldn't use it today, um, because... Uh, well, frankly, I don't really talk out loud that often. And then if I used it today, I'd probably go into this whole spiel about how I think conspiracy theory about hidden things. And then, you know, look, frankly, you know, no one wants to hear that. I mean, except for you, who's listening right now, because, you know, I'm sure you find this fascinating, but, you know, that guy I'm sitting next to on the bus is, uh, doesn't at all. So, just starting to think of, uh, kind of, almost confirmation bias when it comes to conspiracy theory, or, um, you know, just any kind of, um, doubting of the narrative. If you think that there's a hidden hand at work, try to think about the alternate way in which this could be understood. So, let's go with, uh, this is not, I'm, I'm kind of moving on from the Rubicon thing because I think you understand where I'm coming from here. I'm just more going to the next kind of example of conspiratorial thinking and how another way of thinking about it could actually be helpful to you. So let's say you believe that we fake the moon landings. So let's move to how many people were involved in the moon landing. About 150,000 people were involved. Uh, NASA, engineers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. About 150,000 people. The fact that there aren't more whistleblowers, in fact, I don't think there are any whistleblowers, uh, it should lead you to believe that this is not, you know, your theory might not be particularly true. Um, the fact that uh, Russia didn't report on us saying that we, we didn't land on the moon. Although actually recently they did, but that was because Putin's fucking crazy. Uh, the idea is that if you if think about it from the other from the other side, so don't think. Okay, so ignore the hidden hand and say, okay, how could this get fake? Not the government did it, but think on the on the the day to day level. There's this many people involved in it. How do they get that many people to keep quiet? And frankly, 
they can't. We're not good at keeping secrets. I mean, Nixon got caught. I mean, the Watergate tapes, like, he got busted. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Clinton got busted. Uh, uh, the, uh, other Clinton got busted. Um, I think there's probably George, George W. Bush choked on pretzel when we found out about it. Though some people think he actually had a stroke. But the point is, keeping secrets is far more difficult than, you know, uh, not than telling the truth, but keeping secrets is difficult. And something of that magnitude would be far harder. So instead of looking for seven different, like, oh, look, there's seven anomalies or even 50 anomalies that you can see on, on random tape from the one moon landing. Think of the thousands upon thousands upon millions of facts that work with the story. So any given work of, of, of fiction, any bit of literature is going to have internal inconsistencies. It's going to, if you look at it hard enough, any movie, any TV show, it will happen. That doesn't mean that it's a piece of garbage. It doesn't mean you throw the whole thing out. Um, you know, Ben-Hur is a fine film, but you can see a dude with a wristwatch in it. Um, you know, uh, uh, Gladiator, there's like a car riding in the background. That doesn't mean Gladiator is a piece of shit. I don't know why I'm only doing Gladiator movies. I don't even like Gladiator movies. But those were the two that I thought of. Um, you know, so that doesn't mean, oh, those, I mean, maybe those movies are garbage, but it doesn't mean they're garbage because of this one flaw. So if you're having trouble understanding why the flag, uh, moves the way that it does or some cross hatching on, 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 on pictures of the moon or whatever. Okay. Well, let's look at it this way. There's some photographic things on the moon that strike you a little bit weird. Does that mean they fake the entire moon landing? Why not? Maybe they fake some pictures. Because this was an incredibly important thing. This was one of the most important things in our fight against Russia in the Cold War. You don't have to go the full mile, because faking pictures wouldn't involve 144,000 people that could later talk. It could involve, I don't know, four, two, one. You, you just, you fake them. And then, and then you mix them in with the real shots. There's no reason to go that way. There's no reason to go that far. I can't think of another example. I'm sure I can, but I just kind of... You get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to berate you. Because here's the thing is, I like conspiracy theories. I think they're sexy and they're fun. But when they're based on tiny little slivers of quote-unquote evidence and the preponderance of evidence is the other side, you're not, you know, you're not using your critical thinking ability. You're, you're just looking for outliers. And outliers don't prove a thing. Outliers are just outliers. They happen in any system. That's why when you take averages, you usually chop the top and the bottom off. Because you're going to have outlying facts. So... Um, I don't know. I just, I like, I like conspiracy theory. I like being able to look at things from another side, another, another way of viewing things, but you have to keep your logical mind. And frankly, the more of these shitty and poorly put together conspiracy theories that get out there, the more watered down the other theories are going to become. And the ones that theoretically could be true. It's almost like disinformation agents. If we want to go back to conspiracy theory things like the fact that there's people that saying that there's a flat earth right now is, I mean, that's like disinformation. That's, that's watering down the community to make everybody else into conspiracy theory. look like idiots. Did that not occur to you? It probably didn't because you want to believe in the other because it's an outlier and it goes against this, God, you know, this, the, the state did it, the Illuminati, the, the Bilderberg group. Just because it's not part of a story doesn't mean that the story's wrong, you know? And just because you don't like, you know, the government lies, the government cheats, the government steals. Of course it does. But the government is also huge and bad at shit. 
so it's not going to be very good at keeping secrets. Like the whole, um, if the government is making UFOs or having, you know, these uh, black budget things, the point is they're black budget. Like, they, you know, the Obama's not even supposed to know about it. Like, it's it's almost outside of the government because the government blows doing stuff. So I, there's no fucking way that it hides, you know, something of that level. No, hiding, um, you know, uh, faking some documents to get into Iraq. That actually seems pretty like something we could do. Like, that's right there, conspiracy. Yeah, I can I can get on board with that shit because... Not that many people would be involved. Pretty easy to do. And yeah, uh, the whole Osama bin Laden, you know, like there's something funky about his death. Cool. Totally. Yeah. That's a, like the evidence speaks that that is something weird. Uh, you see a weird looking rock on Mars that doesn't say that there's an entire civilization. Now, again, every time I bring that up, I do have to say there is some shit on Mars that actually looks really weird, but just going with the outliers. There's also, uh, uh, in Canada, there's a river valley that looks like an Indian, or sorry, a Native American, Native person, uh, wearing iPod uh, earbuds. And it doesn't mean that ancient people carved it in. It's just, you know, it's, it's our brains put it together. It's periodolia, peri, peri, the human mind's ability to put together disparate things and make it look like a face or, you know, seeing shit in clouds. Um, I don't, periodolia, is that how you say it? I don't really, I'm not good with saying things out loud. You know, it's not like I have a, podcast. It's not like this is something I've chosen to do. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So that's my uh, confirmation bias slash um, try to be an actual free thinker thoughts of the day uh, at the end of the show, because be a free thinker, but that doesn't mean that you just belong to the group of people that go against the norm. That's not being a free thinker, that's belonging to a less popular sect. Um, Like, for instance, like, this is why I hate Satanists is, uh, not that I hate them, I use, I'm using that term very, very loosely. It's why Satanists know me, because all that is is like, ooh, we're doing Catholic stuff backwards, like, ugh, yeah, great, good for you, you know? So you're not actually breaking, you're not actually breaking anything, all you're doing is just being the other, like, ooh, I'm the other, uh, instead of a, instead of an altar, we got a naked chick, ooh, scary, ugh, fuck you, it's just idiocy, it's, it's all you're doing is setting yourself up against the other, because, you know, that's just, you know, so you're not being individual. You're not, you're not, you're just having groupthink, but just with a smaller group. Which, I mean, could be fine, but just quit it with your fucking, open your mind. Like, anytime I argue with a conspiracy theorist person, they're like, open your mind. It's like, motherfucker, open my mind. I'm a tower-reading fucking chaos magician. My mind is open like a motherfucker. It's just, your, your, your theory's dumb. <laughs> there's a, there's a difference here. You know, like if someone goes, ah, just asking the questions, okay, but then don't, don't say you have a theory, because it's not a theory, that's just dumb fuckery. Dumb fuckery. That's what I'm here against. Alley, the Alley's cast. One vote against dumb fuckery. Except for the dumb fuckery he talks about, because that's the good kind of dumb fuckery. The other kind of dumb fuckery, you know, the kind I don't like, you know, the other stuff, the other, that's I don't like. You see what I did there? I turned what I was saying into what I was railing against because I'm aware of, of argumentative form. Yeah, I kind of hate my show too. Don't worry. It's not just you. <laughs> this was a weird one. I think I'm wrapping up in long enough. I got a bunch of shows coming up, so you got enough content to slake your thirst for a weirdo talking in Portland. Uh, do I have anything else to finish up with? No, I don't. Uh, oh, wait, actually I do. I'm kidding. Um, 
I've, I don't think I ever talked about this. Okay, let's just read it. And if I have talked about this before, I apologize, but, well, frankly, um, it's amusing to me, so you can hear it twice. A millionaire property developer who used children's gravestones to decorate the historic mansion which inspired all things bright and beautiful has been ordered to pay 300,000 euro, or, or um, not euro, uh, uh, pounds. Kim Davies, 60, took tombstones from a derelict chapel and cemented them to the walls of Leonwerner House in Aber, South Wales, where Cecil Francis Alexander penned the famous hymn. Newport Crown Court heard how planners were horrified when they saw the decorative stone plaques had been used as a part of a gaudy $1 million makeover to the great blah blah blah, turning it into a palace for an Iron Curtain dictator. One of the 150-year-old tombstones was even engraved with the names three brothers and a sister who all died while under the age of four. It goes on. Uh, he, he took gravestones of children from a nearby cemetery and, and used them for his patio. That's fucking amazing. That's the best thing I've ever heard. And maybe, you know, I think I may have talked about this already. And I'm sorry, but I had to say it again because that's fucking amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, um, it's just the, yeah. That's, yeah. I'll just leave it at there. Just, just fill in the play. We're going to do a little bad libs on that one. <clears throat> wow. Uh, wow. Here's, uh, actually, for conspiracy theorists, guys, let's get back together on the same page. We'll hold hands. We'll hug each other. Um, so, Hampton Creek, the food technology company, has apparently been the subject of much discussion at the American Egg Board, an egg research and promotion program overseen by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Newly released documents show high-level members of the American Egg Board, a USDA employee, and an outside PR firm discussing strategies for dealing with Just Mayo, Hampton Creek's plant-based mayonnaise substitute, the Associated Press first reported. In August 2013 email, Joanne Ivey, president of the American Egg Board, referred to Just Mayo as a crisis and major threat to the future of the egg product business. The email concluded with the line, what are we doing at EAB with regard to this competing product? We need to have an answer. And uh, exclamation points. So, anyway. Moving on, uh, they talk about things, uh, several tactics, several which being eagle. E several, bleh. Several tactics used, some of which are illegal. Tactic number one, get the FDA to handle it. In January 2014, Roger Glasshoff of the USDA proposed challenging Just Mayo's labeling claims with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I would forward the information to the FDA office responsible for the location where the product was marketed, in quotes. He wrote, Ivy responded with the green light. The FDA issued a warning letter in August 2015. It declined to comment on its motivations to courts, but the courts is the place I'm reading this from. But the letter listed violations, including making unauthorized health claims and misleading customers by using the term mayo along with a picture of an egg when the product is not actually standardized egg-based mayonnaise. Uh, so basically... They said that you're not allowed to use the term mayo. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, or whatever, is not allowed to use the term mayo uh, for the vegan mayonnaise. 
and it's found that the Egg Council had been emailing and theoretically bribing them, uh, as, in my opinion, because I don't remember if bribe was actually specifically referenced, and I don't want the, the vengeance of the Egg Council on me. It might just be a joke, haha, ha, comedy show, not a real news program. Okay, I think I'm covered. Yeah, so, uh, but the title of this is, There is Literally a U.S. Government Conspiracy Against Vegan Mayo. So, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, there's a conspiracy theory for you guys, and look, it was found out, but that's a conspiracy theory right there. It's correct. Vegan mayo. So, all of you guys out there, let's protest and allow vegan mayo to be sold. Oh, so they tried to get it banned from Whole Foods and a bunch of other underhanded shit. I'll put the link on in the show notes, as well as evil children, uh, gravestone man, that will be in the show notes, as well as link to MTK Chronicle. Well, it's actually just um, mtkchronicles.com. There's no real... Um, I'll put a link anyway, but you know you don't really have to worry about it all that much because that's really easy to spell. You know, it's not it's not some weird thing. I'm gonna stop talking now because this was um, this wasn't the best solo show I've ever done. I'll admit to you guys, but as I've said on the show many many times, I believe in a warts and all technique of doing a podcast. I will put this out the way that it was produced. I don't edit. I don't do anything. I run some filters. I make it sound nice. And uh, that's it. Because I am here to be honest with you, my faithful listeners. I will be back soon, Tuesday. I have Steph and Michelle returning. Um, next Friday, I have the MTK guy. I think it's next or whatever. Next week, I have MTK guy. I also have uh, an author coming on soon, which I'll leave nameless because uh, I don't know if I've actually... Um, confirmed yet and yeah so look forward to that I have been a decaying sack of meat called Alex you have been an audience full of nameless faceless people that I would love to communicate with via at the AlexCast on Twitter facebook.com slash AlexCast or AlexCast at gmail.com that's Really, all I have to say, uh, I love you, I love everything about you, I hope that in the future you shine and feel the love that you deserve and need, and yeah, that's about it, so uh, yeah, namaste.